Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. I know life is full of experiences and we can many times make mistakes. And have you ever made a mistake and then when you tried to fix it, when you tried to correct it, you overcorrected and it got worse? Like I can remember being I can remember being 16 years old and in Tennessee you get your driver's license at 16. I had my driver's license. It was one Saturday morning in December, Danny, and uh, the band was going to march in a Christmas parade. I lived out in the country on a gravel road, and I was running a little behind, and I was in a little hurry. And I went down this hill, Brother Don, and at the end of the hill is a curve on a gravel road. I hit a loose patch, and I overcorrected, and wham, right in the ditch I went. And um, it's not fun when you try to correct something, and you end up overcorrecting, and you make it worse. It reminds me of a newspaper ad that one time was published. The first day it came out in the paper, it said, R.D. Jones has one sewing machine for sale. Phone him at 958-3030 after 7 p.m. and ask for Mrs. Kelly, who lives with him, cheap. (laughs) You caught that one, all right. The next day, they said, notice, We regret having aired an R.D. Jones ad yesterday. It should have read, one sewing machine for sale, cheap, phone 958-3030 and ask for Mrs. Kelly who lives with him after 7 (laughs) p.m. Well, it got worse. The next day it read, R.D. Jones has informed us that he's received several anonymous telephone calls because of the error we made in his classified ad yesterday. His ad stands corrected as follows. For sale. R.D. Jones has one sewing machine for sale. Cheap. Phone 958-3030 after 7 p.m. And ask for Mrs. Kelly who loves with him. (laughs) It just kept getting worse. Finally, the next day, Mr. Jones corrected the ad himself. And here's what it said. Notice, I, R.D. Jones, have no sewing machine for sale. I smashed it. Don't call 958-3030 as the telephone has been taken out. I have not been carrying on with Mrs. Kelly until yesterday. She was my housekeeper, but she quit. Have you ever had one of those moments? (laughs) Oh, you know, when we talk about church sometimes, it can be frustrating as well. Uh, We can make some mistakes. We can try to overcorrect. And then when we talk to people about church, you know, weird things come out of our mouths. and, And sometimes the conversation can get awkward or worse, it can get frustrating. And here's why. We really don't know where the other person's coming from. And maybe they don't know where we're coming from. They just don't understand where is it coming from. And so that's why it's so important. Thank you, Danny. Uh, It's so important to understand where is somebody coming from. We don't know what road they've been down. We don't know what experiences they've had. We don't know if they grew up in church or didn't grow up in church. We don't know if they've been hurt in church. We just don't know where they're coming from. And so sometimes it can get frustrated, it can get awkward when it comes to talking to someone about church. 
Um, but it's a conversation that we need to have. Uh, I saw this story the other day. Charles Plum, he was a U.S. Naval Academy graduate. He was a jet fighter pilot in Vietnam. And after 75 combat missions, his plane was destroyed by a missile. He was able to inject himself from the plane, and he parachuted into enemy hands. He was captured, and he spent six years in a communist prison. He survived, thankfully, and today he shares that experience around the world. One day, when Plum and his wife were in a restaurant enjoying a meal together, another man came up to him and said, You're Plum! He says, you flew jet fighters in Vietnam from the aircraft carrier Kitty Hawk. You were shot down. And he looks at him and he says, how did you know that? And the guy said, I packed your parachute. And he went on to say, he says, you know, I packed your parachute. And Plum was surprised and then grateful. And he said, well, I guess it worked. And they began to talk. And Plum assured him, it sure did work. If your parachute had not worked, I wouldn't be here today. And that night he went home, and when he laid down, he couldn't stop thinking about that guy. And he began to mentally just go over the experience of being in the military. He kept wondering, what did this guy look like? He was trying to picture him in a uniform. He, and then finally he realized, you know, back in those days I was a jet, uh, uh, fighter jet pilot, and he was a sailor, and we probably didn't mingle. Matter of fact, I probably could have thought I was more important, and I just didn't notice the guy. But then he thought about how that guy did something just as, as important as I did. While I was up in the fighter plane taking on the enemy, he was in the belly of the ship making sure that these parachutes were put together properly and that they worked. And that's when he realized, who's packing your parachute? You see, in life, everybody has somebody that provides what they need to get through whatever they're going through. Who packs your parachute? You know, when you look at church, everything that's done is important. Uh, as Bob mentioned earlier, I'm thankful for Brenda and Lori and what they do to contribute to our music ministry. You know, the technicians up there that make sure I sound good. Um, the, the screen that makes sure you can see the words. Those in the nursery that are taking care of your little ones. Those in the background that work church security and make sure that we all feel safe and you don't have to worry about anything happening. Um, those that teach Sunday school or, or Bible study classes. Those that um, volunteer to work with our kids or maybe our youth. Uh, those that love to pray for other people and, and they get on the phone and call them or they send cards. I mean, I, I don't want to leave anybody out, but what I'm trying to say is there's so many things that happen in church beyond just what you see right now with everybody in a, in a pew and looking at some guy on a platform like me. There's so many things that go on behind the scenes. It takes so many people to make the church do what the church does. And every part of it is important. And that's what I want to talk to you today, and that is the body of Christ. The Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. It is his body, and every part of that body, every member of that body is important. If you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And while you're turning there, here's my big burning question today. 
how do we overcome the conversation about church and help people discover what God has for them? You know, I, like, like I said earlier, I, I don't know what your experience in church has been like. Uh, I always enjoy talking to people about, you know, hey, tell me your story. And sometimes you hear some great stories. Sometimes you hear some stories that make you bristle. Uh, I remember years ago, there was a family that, that joined our church at the time, and they shared how frustrating it was that they went to this church on a Sunday morning. It was a nice, uh, you know, church. They were growing, and they were fairly big, and they went, and uh, nobody said a word to them. And they thought, well, that's odd. Let's just give it one more time. And they went back the next week, and the same thing happened. And so you never know where people are coming from, because sometimes when you talk about church, you just don't know what the other person has been through. You don't know what kind of experiences they had. And that colors the way they look at uh, any church, even our church. So how can we overcome that conversation about church? And how can we help people discover what God has for them? Well, look, if you will, in 1 Corinthians 12. And I want to pick up in verse 12. And Paul, is, the apostle, is writing to the church in Corinth. And he's talking about this idea of the church is the body of Christ. And there in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one Spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. Right there we see that the Bible emphasizes the importance of every believer in the body of Christ. We all had this common experience. We all came to Christ. We came to know Him as Lord and Savior. And once we came to Christ, we received His Spirit. And so now we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and he says we were all baptized by one spirit. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body. And then he, he notices the backgrounds. We're all different, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. Now, Jews and Greeks, those are ethnicities. And so no matter what race, uh, it doesn't matter. When it comes to, it says here, whether slave or free, whether it, no matter what economic status, it doesn't matter. Uh, God's kingdom is going to be full of all kinds of people from all walks of life that have one thing in common. They've come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and they've been changed by Him. And that's where the church reflects the kingdom of God, how God is on this worldwide mission to make disciples of all nations. He wants to reach people of all tribes and tongues. And so here we see the church is this body of believers uh, that have been baptized by one spirit into one body. And as Brother Denny was mentioning a while ago, baptism is basically your public statement of faith. It's where you go public with your faith before God. When we read the scriptures here, we learn that there are two unanswered questions that, in my mind, keep people from getting involved in church today. And I think these questions need to be asked, but more than that, they need to be answered. Look, if you will, question number one. Do I feel wanted? Do I feel wanted? 
And look, if you will, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 15. Paul says, If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it's not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as He wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So when it comes to the body of Christ, there are all kinds of different parts to the body, but there's still one body. You might be different from everybody else. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. Now, a lot of times we want to do what somebody else does. Well, I wish I could sing like them. I wish I could teach like them. I wish I could speak like them. Boy, I wish I could fix things like them. And on and on and on it goes. But here's the thing. God has given you a gift. And that's what this passage of Scripture, the context is about, spiritual gifts. When you get saved, not only do you receive the gift of salvation and you receive the gift of God's Spirit that now lives within you, but now He's given you a practical gift, some kind of spiritual ability that can honor God and help other people. And we call it a spiritual gift. It's something that comes from God. It's not something you go shopping for. It's something that you ask God to show you and you discover what it is He's given you to do. And when you do that, then you're going to be happy in Christ because you're going to find out what He's made you to do. But here the question is this, do I feel wanted? Many times when we're looking at getting involved in a church, am I wanted? Does anybody want me? I don't know if anybody can do what I do and and, and they don't have that here. And so I don't know if I'm, if I'm wanted. But what does Paul say? We are the body of Christ. And there are all different parts to the body, but there's one body. And every part of the body matters. Have you ever stubbed your toe? You ever um, got your finger out of joint? You ever heard a particular part of your body that you didn't really think about you know, using, didn't know you had, until all of a sudden it hurt? And then, boy, it affects everything, don't it? You know, when it comes to the body of Christ, every part of the body is important. Every part matters. Every part. And so that's what I want you to understand. When it comes to the body of Christ, yes, you're wanted. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're wanted because you're a part of the body. And you may not see like the eye. You may not smell like the nose. But you have a part to play. You have a function. You have a role You have something that God has designed for you to do. Well, that's the first question. Do I feel wanted? The second question is, do I feel needed? Do I feel needed? Look, if you will, in verse 21. In verse 21, he says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, 
giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. So not only are you wanted, but in the body of Christ, you're needed. None of us can ever say, well, I I don't need you. And you can't say to me, well, I don't need you. Because in Christ, we all need each other. God has given every single one of us a unique gift. And when we bring that to the body, there is a place for it. And it honors God. It helps others. And when we use what God has given us to, to do, then we're going to be satisfied, God's going to be glorified, and the body of Christ is going to be edified. And it's a beautiful thing. And that's the two questions that we have to answer, is when somebody's coming in and they're like, well, I don't know if I'm wanted here, I don't know if I'm needed here. Biblically, when we look at it, yes, you are. You're wanted and you're needed. We want to make sure that you know the Lord. We want to make sure that you discover this grace that He's given you through Jesus Christ. We want you to understand the gift that He's given every single believer. And when you discover what that gift is and you begin to use it for His glory and for the good of others, then you're going to be satisfied. You're going to, you're going to see God work in wonderful ways. So here's where I'm driving at this morning. How do I become active in the body of Christ? You know, through the years, and I don't understand this, but through the years, you know, we we look at church experience and, you know, you have active and you have inactive and all all of this stuff. But how do you get active in the body of Christ? How do you go from getting off the bench to getting in the game? How do you get your feet wet and begin to experience all that God has for you in church life? Well, there's three things I want you to know. Number one, understand God's purpose in Christ. You know, we look back at what we just read there in verses 12 through 14, that God uh, has a plan, um, that He sent Christ. And when we become in Christ, when we receive Christ in our life, we now are baptized into His body by His Spirit. And now we know the Lord, and we have His Spirit that lives within us. And that's the testimony that we know that we're saved is God's Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And we've gone public with our faith. And now we understand that God has a purpose for us in Christ. In other words, the most important thing that you've got to know and understand first is do you know the Lord? Have you you ever been saved? Have you ever been changed? Have you come to a, a point and a place in your life where you realize that you were a sinner? and you needed to be saved, and that there's only one Savior, there's only one uh, mediator between God and man, and His name is Jesus Christ. And He came, and He lived, and He died, and He rose again, and He did all that for you. And now you can be saved. And so you come to Christ to be saved, and then you go public with your faith, you're baptized, as Danny described, and now you realize, hey, look at this grace that I have received. I am now a child of God. I know the Lord. And not only have I received this grace in Christ, but now I have a spiritual gift. I have a spiritual gift, and God wants me to understand what that gift is so I can use it to serve Him and serve others. That is the first thing. Understand God's purpose in Jesus Christ. Number two, 
Accept God's place for you. Accept God's place for you. I can remember years ago our youth pastor sat down with us on a Sunday afternoon. There was about three or four of us, wasn't it, Danny? And we did a uh, spiritual gifts assessment. You remember that? And I can remember when I got done, I, I was being called at this time, but I had told absolutely nobody about it, and I mean nobody. And we get done with that, that little spiritual gifts test, and my youth pastor looks at me and says, Hey, Corey, you know, you, you could be a pastor someday. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and, and God used that and a whole bunch of other things. Over a period of six months, I began to wrestle with what God wanted me to do until I finally said, okay, God, I want to do what you want me to do. Now, hopefully it's not that difficult. Hopefully it doesn't take you that long to wrestle with that decision. But here's what I'm trying to say. When you can accept God's place for you in a local body, then you can really begin to experience all that God has in store for you. Don't worry about what other people can do. Don't worry about what you can't do. Just focus on God and find out what he has in store for you. When you find out what your gift is, when you find out how he's wired you, when you find out things that he's put in you that he wants you to use and to share for, for his glory and for the good of others, when you begin to just you know, experiment, you know, sometimes people, uh, because they don't know, they don't try, and they stand back and they just wait and they watch, and, and, and because they don't have it figured out, they're not going to do anything. Well, let me tell you something, that doesn't work. Get moving a little bit. Hey, I want to I help over here. Well, that's not it. I want to I help over here. Well, that's not it. I mean, you, you have to experiment sometimes. I remember when I graduated college and I moved back home. I got a job back home, and I told mom, I said, well, now that I moved back home and, and I've got a job back home, I said, I might as well go back to school. So at the time, I went, and I was going to get a master's in teaching. And all of you teachers out there, one of the best things they did is they put me in that... Uh, I forget what the class, is it field instruction? Whatever it is, that class where you go and you observe in the school, that class. They threw me in that class, Lori, and after about two weeks, I said, this is not me. This, 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 this is not going to work, you know, and so, so I, I gave that up. Little did I know that nothing's wasted. When I went back to seminary years later, uh, they said, give us all your transcripts. All of them? Yeah, that counted. Praise the Lord, right? So it's all good. But here's the thing. When you accept God's place for you, then you will thrive. You, you will begin to do what God has designed for you to do. And it'll be an important contribution. And it will make a difference. So understand God's purpose in Christ. Accept God's place for you. And number three, experience God's power through you. This one's so important. This one is why I'm so passionate about people understanding, you know, do you know what God has given you to do? Do you know what kind of gift he's given you? Do you know what kind of ministry he wants you to serve in? Do you, do you understand what, what he wants to do in your life and through your life? When you begin to ask all, all those questions and you have an answer for those questions and you begin to take a step of faith and you begin to serve in some form or capacity, then you're going to experience God working through you. And when you begin to experience God working through you, you won't be happy doing anything else. You just won't. And that's what's so exciting about serving God. 
You might be good at one thing. I'm good at something different. We don't all have to do the same thing. But when you do what you've been designed to do, when you do what God has gifted you to do, when you do that, then you experience God not only working in you, but you experience God working through you. And I tell you what, when that happens, I'm hooked. It's like there's nothing better to do with my time. There's nothing better to do with my life than to do that. Because when I'm experiencing God working through me, then I want to do that for the rest of my life, whatever that is. And it's going to be something different for each one of you. But don't. Don't sell yourself short. Don't waste time thinking, well, I don't know what that could be. Some of you are some really good prayer, prayer warriors. Some of you are really good soul winners. Some of you are some really good teachers. Some of you are some really good administrators. Some of you are very compassionate and have servants' hearts. I, I wish I had the time to name, name all of them that I see, but I see a lot of that. When you find out what that is, you do that, and you will be hooked because you will experience God in a whole new way. You see, it's one thing to experience God work in you. That happened at salvation. Man, he came in, he changed my heart, he changed my life. But then when you begin to serve God and you experience God working through you, wow, that's awesome too. And I want that for every one of you. I want you to have that understanding that, hey, not only has God done something in me, but I get a sense that God's wanting to do something through me. And I don't have all the answers. I'm not there yet, but I'm praying, I'm seeking, I'm studying Scripture, I'm talking to other believers that are wiser than me that have walked down the road a few more miles than I have, and I'm getting this sense that God wants me to do fill in the blank, whatever that is. You need to strive to get to that place because then you will not only experience God working in you, but God's power working through you. And that's what the church is all about. That's when the church is really the church. And when we can get a whole bunch of people like everybody in this room and every one of you can say, you know, I know I have Christ in my life. I've been saved. I went public with my faith. I understand the grace that I've been given. I understand that he's given me a gift. I've been praying a lot and I believe my gift is whatever it is. And I'm willing to do something about it. When that happens, the body of Christ becomes mobilized as the army of God. And that's when we begin to make an impact outside these walls. Okay? We make an impact outside these walls because people see us living out our faith and living out our love for God and other people. They see us living it out. And when they see us living it out, now they've seen Christ in us. And through us. What a powerful witness of the gospel. That's what God wants for us. That's what I want for us. My prayer today is that if you don't know the answers to those questions, that you'll begin to pray about it, that you'll begin to seek the Lord, that you'll begin to, you know, search him through the scriptures, that you'll begin to have some conversations with other Christians so that you can say with clarity, with conviction, I believe God has gifted me to do, and you fill in the blank. And then go for it. Do it. Be a light. Be a light. Let your light shine. Let other people see Christ not only in you, but let them see Christ through you.
Let's all stand. If musicians would come, this is our time of invitation. This is the time that maybe God is speaking to you. Maybe you have never took that first step. Maybe you've never come to Christ to be saved. You know you're a sinner, and you know that you need a Savior, and now you realize that Jesus is the Savior. He's the one. He came, He lived, He died. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died. He took our place on that cross. He paid our sin debt in full, and now He's offering freely a gift called eternal life. Knowing Him and following Him, the gift of eternal life. It changes your life now and it changes your life later. And if you will come to that point and you'll come to that place, then you too can experience that with Him. My prayer today is simply this, that if you haven't took that first step, that you will. And if you have took that step, then as Brother Danny said, you'll go public with your faith and let everybody know, hey, I am in Christ and He is in me. You know, baptism is a beautiful picture. It's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's also a picture of what God has done in us. We have been buried to our old way of life. We've been raised by the power of God to live a new life. Maybe God's calling you to, to seek Him and be willing to serve Him, whatever He has in store for you. Don't worry about what other people can do, what, what you can't do. Find out what God wants you to do. And you'll find out that if you do what God wants you to do, I believe that He'll give you the ability to do it. That's what a spiritual gift is. Whatever it is, I just pray today that you'll simply respond to what the Lord is calling you to do. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact a pastor, please visit phbcsomerset.com.